0: hello everyone this is julian minette from the spencer group for those who don't know us we're a specialist head to two practices one of which is pharmaceutical technology slash e-clinical and we've been working in that space for over 20 years we've got to know our guest today Matt Clark, on that journey as he has been leading and helping his organization very rapidly scale I've deliberately stayed away from the numbers to stop embarrassing him. But anybody that can come into this sector and quadruple a business in the first eight years and then is set to either double it or triple it again in the next two, I suggest he's having quite a positive impact. So oh, nice of you to join us, Matt.
1: Thank you very much, Julian.
0: So a little bit more background on Matt. Matt is the CEO of Vida. Um, the very interesting EDC player that's been highly disruptive in this mature market. We've known Mats for three, four years as we helped Vdoc recruit their first sales leadership position in the US. Uh, the individual's now been with them. Um, well, but it's been with you what three, three and a half years, Matts? That's correct. Yeah, about three years. So. A little bit of background on Max. He is a developer by background. He then moved into sales, but in an environment close to our hearts, in the fact that he moved into the recruitment and outsourcing field before joining VDOG eight years ago. He has been part of the leadership team, and I would say a central part of that team, that's driven a phenomenal growth. The organisation has quadrupled in size and revenue in that period and is set up to either double or triple again in the next two to three years. So we're keen to find out from Matt how he's been able to disrupt what is quite a mature market. Over to you, Matt.
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you. Being an engineer, that's my background. I prefer to to talk in numbers and and just to echo you on, on the growth. When I joined the company in 2015, we were about 20 people. And our sales number were around 2.5 million euros. Last year, we we had 25 million euros in sales. So we increased the sales over the seven-year period by 10 times. And we've also grown to 120 people as of now. Of course, it's mature and a very competitive market. All the small players. And you have also these big three players like Metadata, Viva, and Oracle, as a company, we have grown organically in a very steady and controlled manner. We haven't done any acquisitions. We haven't had any capital injections or of that sort. We've also been a profitable company, save for some small losses the last two years. We also got a real good push in 2019 when the growth partner Montero acquired us. Montero is a private equity company based in Stockholm. And they have been a great support for our growth, as I would say. They concluded after their due diligence that they were a bit amazed of our growth journey so far. But they also gave us kind of three recommendations. Number one was to speed up the development. We had like one or two development teams. And they also suggested to establish a sales and marketing organization, which we didn't have, uh, more or less. And they also asked us about the U.S. market. Isn't that a good market for you? And, And we said, yes, it is. And so... That's basically what we've done the last three years. We have increased the development department from one or two teams to six, coming up to seven teams now. We have established some people working with insights and marketing. And with your help, we also went to the U.S. and established an office in the middle of the pandemic, actually. It was also like a challenge.
0: EDC is the first real e-clinical solution to get adoption. Think about the fact it was starting to get adopted in the early 2000s and probably by the mid-2000s, it was really beginning to see traction at high level. It's quite a mature environment. How have you managed to come in and grow your organisation so dramatically, 10x in the last seven years? What's the niche? How have you been able to disrupt
1: we don't have like like a, a magic bullet or something like that. So, I mean, I, obviously, there are many reasons behind it with maybe some luck. If I would boil it down, I would say it's three main reasons. We were also a bit of a pioneer in the industry. We launched the first EDC platform in 2004, and that, that was quite successful, I would say. But after a few years, we became aware of some some limitations in the platform in terms of scalability and, and other things. So we did Somewhat unique thing here, we we actually rewrote the whole platform from scratch. And then we launched the second generation of BDOC in in 2014. And this was like a cloud native platform with scalable architecture and a standardized technology so we could easily improve it and also maintain it and continue to develop it. The first platform was also actually cloud native, but this one was on, on a new level. So the technology is one answer, I would say. The second thing is our background. We come from the CRO industry, so we've always had a solid understanding of, of clinical management, the pain points, etc. So therefore, we've always had a very strong focus on usability, the feedback we receive from the clients. As one concrete example, we what we've heard from CROs using both our platform and other platforms, that they must spend, like in some cases, three or four days training clinical sites before deploying a study. While they are using VDoc, they only have to spend like 30 minutes. So that's kind of a, a huge difference in terms of how easy it's to use the platform. And There are a lot of users, obviously. The third thing is that we have invested a lot in quality and compliance, both in terms of clinical trials regulations and also all the data privacy regulations. Uh, before you engage a subcontractor or vendor like us the assessments is quite thorough and we've survived over 400 audits over the years without any major impediments I would say.
0: And to do that I mean it's not like you haven't got other competitors that are growing within that with modern new technology but your consistent ability to be able to deliver the quality of the service going around your product is the noise that we hear that it's you know, as you say easy to use easy to get up and going so for the next phase of our is the bigger questions what do you see as the future is EDC going to become direct data capture tool is the market going to move towards direct data capture is that the next big phase how do you see AI affecting this area
1: Let me start with this. In terms of the opportunities within the EDC market, uh, where that is going, I would say it's very much about integration. And this is also something we are investing a lot of time and efforts in right now. I think the industry is moving towards a fully digitalized ecosystem. And any EDC vendor who can facilitate seamless integration would be in a good position. And also, just talking about EDC, I don't know if that abbreviation is going to survive in the long run i mean it's this abbreviation is yeah, i don't know how old it is to be honest considering direct data capture i think it's going to be in the future more of a repository of study data being pushed and pulled in a safe and controlled way between different software platforms and when i see software platforms i mean could be uh, devices could be medical records any Device or unit having software with a connection to the study, back to my answer, I think integration is a key word here, yes,
0: as we see more and more devices coming in to play more sources of information, more sources of data, yeah you see the fact that you need to be able to seamlessly integrate with whatever is coming in and however it wants to be managed,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I mean, from our point of view, I mean, obviously, we don't only have the EDC component. We have had other uh, add-on products like E-Pro, RTSM and, and uh, ETMF, etc. So some clients, they want to have it simple. So they want to have it like a one-stop shop. But it's also very common to uh, go for best of breed. I do think that's going to be even more important uh, moving on because... Also in uh, numbers I've heard within clinical trials is that in average you use maybe different seven to ten different platforms. And then in some cases moving data manually and, and then sometimes using paper and just uh, manually inserting data from paper, etc. So so the integration that any system can talk to any other system in a once again safe and controlled way. Uh, I think that's, that's going to be reality for sure. Uh, the question is how fast it's going to be. And also, yes. what you touched upon for, for related to machine learning and, and AI. Considering the possibilities here, it will revolutionize uh, the clinical trial industry as well. But once again, I think it's more question of when and how because there are obviously concerns around uh, i mean especially if you look at the chat gpt for instance about data integrity if you ask any question i mean that's going to be entered into the cloud and and, uh, if you have a good prompter there's theoretical possibility that someone else could access uh, this kind of information and and you could also obviously risk getting IP-related information into your computer. That could be yeah. infringement. There are a number of things that needs to be assessed and, and controlled before it's really deployed. I would say we are obviously <laughs> looking into this area a lot as well. Yeah. What we heard,
0: uh, we were both at DIA this year. There was a big discussion around AI and these large language models and encouragement to use them for all of us in our day to day as a digital assistant but still some big questions over whether they can be used effectively on clinical data because the large language models have got the whole of the Internet to work on and much more for language. So it's got huge data banks to learn with. The pharmaceutical data isn't out there. It's not being shared. It's very secure. It's in silos. And therefore, can these AI models work in smaller groups or how do you remove the possibility of biased to AI? Do you see it? having more of an early impact in the language areas and written areas of the market and perhaps data following on? Or do you feel that there will be growth of AI in direct data evaluation?
1: We are actually, to some extent, using chat GPT today. That's mainly for the marketing department to have a different wording and articles we write and stuff like that. But we actually did a, quite a big assessment looking at the full life cycle of a clinical trial and trying to map out how and where AI could be used. Uh, and we actually, you know, find five points in all the like eight steps we defined as key steps in, in, in a clinical trial. So when it comes to, to language, I think that is possible if you are going to conduct a study in, in several languages, you have some good support for uh, like training material here. I mean, the essence of using AI, you need some good training material and usually extensive training material to have a a, a good one. The second component is obviously the validation. Even though you use uh, the AI for for languages, you would still need someone to validate it. So whether it's going to be a time save or not, I mean, that's up to any company to decide. But it obviously will be more efficient in some areas, I would say. When it comes to study data, I think it's going to be more tricky, but I think that's going to be solved as well. I mean, we have the uh, European Health Data Space Initiative from EU making data more accessible, like pseudonymized. So we might have some more training material there. But the two components having a good mass of background and training material plus the validation part. Anyone who can crack that key will be, you know, ready to go, I would say.
0: You like us and many other organizations are already using AI from a marketing and language point of view, but we're still looking at it going how do you bring it into a data environment and how do you produce the validation and ensure that yeah there is enough training information out there or enough data for them actually to be able to train the ai and you then still got to get a more open environment to be able to see how the ai is working to ensure that it doesn't have any of its adorations or creative spurts around the data when you need a validated path i think it's an interesting piece do you see that you will develop ai or do you think that you will use external ai
1: then I think we um, we might do both. We are looking into it in-house, but obviously there are a number of open source components that you can use as well. So um, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> well, absolutely.
0: Any final thoughts from you on the opportunities and development in front of Vdoc? You guys not only have grown by 10x, but it's not like it stopped when you and I last spoke the opportunities for further growth are quite eye-watering. Is there anything else that you see key in maintaining that momentum?
1: We don't have any major changes we will do, I would say. I think, I mean, this industry is quite conservative. And uh, so far, we've done quite good and continue to grow in a stable and controlled way. I think that's something we will absolutely do. I think uh, it's very much about trust in in this space as well. It takes time to build it. I don't have any magic pills uh, that I'm (laughs) able to present here as well
0: i've got to say that it's it's very interesting to speak to such an understated ceo you've driven 10x growth you're going to continue in the same sort of manner and you're talking about steady and consistent growth i'm sure there's many ceos that would like to see a 10x as steady that's impressive so thank you for that matt
1: yeah i just still i would just want to remind you anyone listening to this pod it's not only about me. I mean, we do have a great product, and, and we have a very good team. This is, I mean, there is no one in the, our company who can reply to any all the questions that we get from client and prospects. So this is a hundred percent teamwork. That's what we are doing here.
0: Absolutely, and as you've grown the organization dramatically to circle over one hundred and twenty people and continue to do so. So, Matt, thank you very much for your time and your candid insight into. The market and its direction of travel and we wish you luck with continuing to build out what is a very interesting organisational proposition.
1: Thank you.